good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hard Foul Radio. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. However you are listening, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, uh, however you listen to podcasts, you're watching the YouTube videos. Appreciate everyone that's been supporting the extra listeners coming in. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Thank you to anyone that has given part of their day to come listen to me. Um, super grateful, super appreciative. Let's get started, man. So we have to start today with uh, reacting to what happened last night. Uh, last night being game one of the World Series team Tampa Bay Rays and the LA Dodgers. And while I came on here and I did predict that Kershaw would continue to struggle in the playoffs, while he's not as historically bad as people think he is, uh, he has definitely underperformed for what his standard he has set for himself in the regular season. Uh, the Dodgers came out and looked like world beaters. Sometimes you want to come in as a sports analyst or a commentator, really on any subject, right? You want to come in and say, hey, you want to have the smart analogy or the hot take or you want you want to come out and say something, you know, that's different from what everybody else is going to say. And sometimes there's no need for that. Sometimes it really is just as simple as one team came out, they played really well, and they beat the other team swiftly, soundly. It was a good game through about four innings. The pitching was going back and forth. Glassnell got off to a good start against Kershaw. was also uh, pitching really well. And then, essentially, with the Bellinger home run, that knocked into runs for the Dodgers. Then they go on to score two, four, one, get up to eight. Get it up to eight to one. Tampa gets two more runs. Final score, eight, three. Sometimes, it's just simple. Life is just simple sometimes. You want, you could go and you could blame and say, oh, I blame this person because they did this, that led to this. Or I could say, hey, if this has happened, if this had happened, then this wouldn't have happened. And there's just no need for it in this situation. The Dodgers were the better team. They won game one. That being said, these are the kind of games that Tampa Bay wants. Ironically enough, they're also the kind of games the Dodgers wants, but I'll get into that in a second. Tampa Bay wants the games that are going to be well-pitched, get your starters through the game, and then go to the bullpen, which, yes, the Dodgers have a great bullpen as well, but when it comes to that back end, the Dodgers have the bigger question mark in the back end of their bullpen, that being Kenley Jansen and his inconsistencies he's had regular season and postseason, that is a bigger question mark than anything Tampa Bay is bringing out of the bullpen. Tampa wants the pressure. I said this all yesterday. Tampa wants the pressure to be on LA. They want Kershaw to have to perform up to his regular season standards. They want a Cody Bellinger who has struggled in his couple of World Series appearances. Uh, I believe he was hitting 035 coming into it. They want, excuse me, um, these guys, Corey Seagull, he's been hot, has not always performed up to par in the playoffs. They want These are the guys they want to put in those positions and say, hey, prove why you're so great and try to beat us. Also, when it comes to the style of these two teams, let's not forget, and this is a very important factor in my opinion, Tampa Bay was 21-9 and in the regular season against teams above 500. 21-9. and the Dodgers were 8-5 and five against teams that are above 500. That matters. Why does that matter? Because when you are used to playing steep competition, 
losing a game. Even if Tampa Bay loses tonight and goes down 0-2, which I'm, I predict they win tonight, even if the series won one. But even if they lose tonight and go 0-2, they've done that before. They've been here versus good teams. They've played elimination games. The Dodgers essentially ran through the National League, ran into some trouble with the Braves, and then turned it back on and said, oh, yeah, that's right, we're the L.A. Dodgers. Boom, here we go. The Dodgers are better last night. No one's taken that away from them whatsoever. But the Dodgers don't want to play this game for a full seven-game series. Unless you think Bellinger is going to completely reverse his World Series Excuse me, what he's done in the World Series the last couple of years. Unless you think Clayton Kershaw is going to be that ace that you need, especially when it comes time to that pivotal game. If it gets tied 2-2 or it's 2-1, you need that pivotal game for ace to come back. If they believe Kershaw is going to now be that, despite never having been that through his entire postseason career. If that's what the Dodgers think they can get every time, then fine. That's their game plan. They're just going to roll with it. Now... The Dodgers do have one thing for sure in the series, um, and that's clearly they have the best player in the series. Uh, Mookie Betts is fantastic. Uh, all over Twitter last night, people were clowning the Red Sox, saying, oh my gosh, how did you guys let this guy go? This is like seeing your ex get married, all this stuff. And Mookie is just great. He is. He got two hits last night, uh, scored, uh, in, just a super impactful player, um, it, it is what it is. I brought out the list yesterday in terms of ranking the top players in this series. And what I saw after last night, Mookie Betts, who was number one on that list, confirmed why he was number one on that list. And deservedly so, deserves to be number one on that list. He is the best player in this series. He is the only person, and this is the other part of the Dodger story, this is, he is the one person that has playoff success. He is the one person that has a World Series ring. He's been there, done that. Even on this team with as many stars as they have, as big as their payroll is, as many pitches they have coming out of the bullpen, as many hitters, their offense as good as it's been. Mookie Betts, if he's good or great like he was last night, if he's as great as he was last night, Tampa Bay has no shot. Let's just be honest here. Tampa Bay has no shot if Mookie Betts is that great because the only guy who walks the face of this planet that could say they are definitively better at baseball than Mookie Betts is Mike Trout, and he's not making the playoffs anytime soon. The Dodgers get that Mookie Betts, it's the series is over. Dodgers played great. Tampa wants the kind of games that they got last night. Won a little more length out of the starter, possibly. But that, if, the, if it goes like it did last night, and it's up to the guys who have not historically performed in those situations, Tampa Bay has taken that all day, all night, signed up for a full seven-game series of that. Which I do hope, by the way, um, this is a very important series for baseball. I've said this several times. Uh, baseball just does not get the love that it deserves. Baseball does not. Uh, it does a very piss-poor job of marketing itself. This is a series, while Tampa Bay has been very relevant and very successful the past decade, this is payroll-wise, David versus Goliath. This is Moneyball. Um, this is 
the small team versus the big market team. There's LA has enough stars. Tampa Bay has the storyline. Uh, this will also be either of these two cities will be receiving a will be getting a second championship in the matter of a month, month and a half time span. LA with the Lakers, Tampa Bay with the Lightning. If this series goes seven and can be compelling, and I know I keep saying this, part of this is part of this is the fan of me speaking. This can propel baseball to a new spot. The Astros would have done it immediately. If the Astros made the World Series, immediately that's ratings. Immediately you have hype. Um, There's so much that goes into that. But this Rays-Dodgers series has a chance to be pivotal for baseball. If it goes six or seven games. If if the Rays get... If the Rays get swept or the Rays lose in five and the Dodgers are dominate, dominating them the whole series, then no, this is not going to be what baseball needs. Baseball mm-hmm. needs a long, good, uh, successful World Series because they need some ratings back because they are officially the fourth of the major four sports here in America. It is what it is, baseball. I'm sorry. Moving on. <clears throat> ESPN... And I don't like to go on. I used to do uh, a couple segments a week where I would I called it Attack the Analyst because if you've heard me talk at any point in my life, uh, you know my discontent with sports media nowadays. I just don't like it. Uh, they go on TV and they say really they just they say whatever is the first thing they can think of that will get someone mad or irritated or just this guy's the greatest player ever, or this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. This, it just, it's all terrible. It's all terrible. Little Skip Baylesses, they're running around everywhere. Don't be fooled. But, um, but I no longer wanted to do Attack the Analyst because I don't want, it seems hypocritical for guys who are going on TV and attacking guys they've never met for me to go and do the exact same thing just with those guys. I don't, uh, when, especially when it just comes to war of words, I'm not going to bully the bully, per se. But I do go online, and I used to love it as a kid. I would go to NFL.com, NBA.com, MLB.com, and look up little headlines and see what people were talking about. And I do the same thing now. So I was on ESPN yesterday, and ESPN has a way too early... Uh, let me pull this list up. A way too early... Uh, NBA power rankings going into next season. And I looked at it and I was thinking to myself, all right, where do I think they can go with this? And then, um, for lack of a better term, they shit the bed. So ESPN, you're way too early, and they just did a top 10. You're way too early NBA power rankings. Number one, the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, that makes some sense, right? They just won the title. They have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Even though you have to doubt, he's going to resign. Um, used to have the best duo in the league. Okay, I could see your, I could see some logic there. Um, I disagree, but I can see how you got there. Very big thing. You can disagree with people or disagree with companies or things that you see. But if you can see how they got there and their logic... Um, Appreciate that. It's hard to do fine nowadays. So I can say you got the Lakers number one. At number two, they have the Los Angeles Clippers who were bounced in the second round. Okay, I understand that, I guess, you know. 
LA, the, the Lakers won the titles. They should be number one. The Clippers bounced in the second round. They should be number. I get it. Second round, number two makes sense. Milwaukee Bucks at number three. Bounced in the second round. Don't know if Giannis is resigning. That makes sense. Number four is the Denver Nuggets. The team that probably played LA the best the entire playoffs outside of the finals with Miami. They're at number four. Okay, three of the top four teams in the West, I guess. Um, Dallas Mavericks, number five. A team that lost in the first round and plays no defense. I love Luka. I think Kristaps is great playing with him. Um, it's still kind of a one-man show or a two-man show. If you can, if you can, can, It's one and a half, really. Uh, Porzingis is not obviously on Luka's level uh, in regards to, say, they are co-stars to that degree. Um. Golden State Warriors, number six. The, 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 the reigning dynasty and active dynasty of the NBA is number six. Okay. Um, people are going to be really disappointed when the Warriors come back and start kicking their favorite team's ass again this year. Number seven is the Celtics. Okay. Which put the Celtics as the second best team in the East behind Milwaukee. Okay. Philadelphia is number eight. Even though their two stars don't like each other and they got bounced in the first round. And we're not sure if they're even going to be the same team next year. Wait, 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 wait. The Miami Heat are number nine? The Brooklyn Nets are ten, which I'm. I'm. That's that's a toss up. The Nets are going to be. Uh, if Kyrie and Katie work, then yes, they're a top four or five team in the East. If they don't work, then who knows what the hell they're going to be. But wait, the Miami Heat are number nine. Can we understand something here? Sometimes there is miracle playoff runs that happens in sports. You catch fire, you win some games, boom, boom, boom. But that's happens more in a sport like football where a team gets hot and they've only got to beat you once in the nba and in major league baseball and baseball i could argue is is maybe even a little easier to catch fire because the first round is shorter than the other rounds so advancing farther but in the nba where you got to play a seven game series with in every single round, hmm. So you're telling me that the Miami Heat, who just made it to the NBA Finals, is the ninth best team? Huh. Once again, with with catching hot, it's 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 easy. It's, you can it's easy to see in the NFL. In baseball. Starting pitcher gets hot, changes the entire dynamic. Sometimes everybody's just wrong about something. The Miami Heat are a case in which everybody's just was just wrong about something. We thought it was a magical run and how could they do it? No, the Heat can play. The Heat have Four or five guys who can shoot the three at a high level, which you need in the NBA today. They have a star player who can get you a bucket whenever he needs, and Jimmy Butler. 
I don't want to hear any more about this. So Jimmy doesn't care if he scores. Jimmy has games like 15 to 18. Jimmy Butler proved in the NBA Finals when he needs outside of game six where he was just exhausted that if he needs to go get a bucket, he can go get a bucket. If he needs to have a big game, he'll have a big game. Is he shooting 20 to 30 times a game like Harden? No, but that's not his game. We were all just wrong about the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are legitimately one of the two to three best teams in the Eastern Conference. And you could argue they should be with the no one knows what Milwaukee is doing if Giannis doesn't resign. No one knows what to expect out of Philadelphia or Brooklyn, who's the other Eastern Conference teams. The Heat and the Celtics should be the only two teams who should have a right to say, yeah, we're the best team in the East. And I could argue the Heat should feel like, yeah, we just we match up better with the Celtics. We are the best team in the East. The Miami Heat are number nine. This wasn't a case of just the Heat getting hot. We were just wrong about the Miami Heat. We were just wrong. I was one of those people. I was wrong. ESPN, your list, way too early or not. It's just wrong. The Miami Heat at number nine? Okay. What a way to start a Wednesday. I uh, hope everyone's having a wonderful day. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back momentarily. This is Hardfell Radio. This is Hardfile Radio. What a wonderful Wednesday to be recording. Um, so, I don't care for um, the gossipy part of sports. I don't care for to report on or to talk about, uh, oh, this guy said this on Twitter, or oh, this guy posted this on his Instagram, or oh, this guy reportedly said this, or sources close to the team uh most of the time it's just it's drama it's not needed it's not actually sports related it's just something to pass the time because as a society unfortunately we are just obsessed with headlines and drama and things that just don't really matter that much um but i will say some reports or leaks or sources close to the team some of them feel like they don't feel like they take a lot to believe. Like if they, if the report came out tomorrow and it said, Tom Brady hates Bruce Arians, everything about him, hates the way he coaches, hates the way his offense is installed, hates the way the guy showers, just hates him, hates him, hates him. That's easy to disbelieve because even if Tom Brady felt that way, Tom Brady has always been super buttoned up, super professional. He's been, he, he, we we don't know anymore. They've even had a good relationship with with Bill, a good relationship with Bill Belichick the entire time he was in New England, and we never heard a peep. So to him, just magically go to Tampa and to hear something, well, doesn't sound real. 
if we heard Pete Carroll wants to trade Russell Wilson. Yeah, I... Then you get leaks, like what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and the Dallas Cowboys leak not only sounds real, it feels real. So even though it's not, I'm not into the gossip, I'm not into the leaks, we can discuss this because this is pretty dead on, pretty dead on accurate. I've said yesterday, I've said several times around the show, you don't have to be, I don't have to be a mechanic to know if my car is running well. If I feel like my car is having trouble accelerating or switching gears or the brakes are not working, I can go take it to someone and say, hey, this isn't running right. I can't explain why it's not running right or the process of why it's not running right, but I can tell you this isn't working. So, sources close to the Cowboys report that players inside the locker room say that the Cowboy coaches do not adapt, and some of them even go as far as to say flat out, they don't know what they're doing. This is believable. Have you watched the Dallas Cowboys? The Cowboys aren't a team devoid of talent. I don't believe any team is truly devoid or is truly void of talent. The Cowboys have players. Jalen Smith can play. Leighton Vanderesh can play. Um, excuse me. They have a really good receiving core. Uh, their offensive line, even with the retirement and the injuries, is still not a terrible offensive line. Um, they had Dak coming into the year, obviously, um, for as to him and his severe injury. Uh, Zeke as a running back. Like the Cowboys have talent. But the Cowboys do lack the ability to adjust and the ability, they just don't look, they don't look motivated, they don't look like they adjust well, they don't look like they have a good game plan, and that's coming from a guy who doesn't know X's and O's. I don't. Just being honest here. I don't know X's and O's like an NFL head coach would. And I don't think that Mike McCarthy doesn't know X's and O's. I think Mike McCarthy could go on a bulletin board and he could write down, hey, this is the play design. Hey, this is what it's supposed to do. Hey, if we see this, we do that. I don't doubt he could do that. But does it look like he's doing that at a high level? No. Think about this. Dak Prescott has spent, and Jason Garrett, I think, also could be uh, at fault for the same critique. Dak Prescott has been assessed in a way the last year, year and a half, to where we say that he's a garbage time quarterback. Like, he puts up all these yards and these numbers, but a lot of it comes in garbage time when um, they're already behind, and yeah, he gets 400 yards, but they're already down 24 to 10, and he just is throwing to catch up. What if that's what he's had to do because his coaching staff doesn't adapt? What if that's what he's had to do because this coaching staff can't really think of anything on the fly. So when they get down and Dak spent the whole game trying to do the game plan, do the game plan, do the game plan, finally he's like, you know what, bleep this game plan, I'm going to just go out there and make plays. I've said before, most players in the NFL, and I'm talking about most, I'm talking about like 98, 99% of guys are system players. There are some guys who, in that 1% category, who can either, they do two things. They either work in any system, or they are above a system. 
There's a lot. There is a lot of guys though, who could technically be one or the other. They could break the system or they could be above the system. Dak Prescott, based on his numbers and based on this Cowboys team performance, and based on, excuse me, it based on the way they have played and the way they have showed, Dak might be a break the system kind of player. Now he needs to play on script and he needs to play in that system for a majority of the game but once the game gets out of hand he's like all right i know what i can do to make this work i've seen throughout the game all right this guy's getting open here this guy's getting open there but they're not getting open in the sense of the timing route or when the play is supposed to go off so we can run around buy some time make some yards this is a very believable rumor I don't have to be into gossip to think, oh, is this true or not? This one just looks obvious. It is there on the field. You can see this rumor. So let's go. Uh, I did my top five yesterday. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode and see. Uh, it was Chiefs I had up there. The Seahawks I had uh, were the second team. I had the Ravens and then the Steelers and Titans right on my top five. Today, we're going to play contender or pretender. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I don't have enough fancy sound effects to have like an altered voice working on it. Uh, so we're going to play contender or pretender with the AFC, and then we will do contender or pretender with the NFC tomorrow. So starting in the AFC East, and I want to do every team that is, uh, for the context of this, Either above 500, leading their division, which matters in the NFC, or within a game of their division leader. So, excuse me, let's start off AFC East, Buffalo Bills. I believe, and when, I, when I'm saying contender, I am saying contender like I think they have a legitimate chance to get in that Super Bowl picture. Uh, I started the year off with my Super Bowl picture essentially just being Kansas City, Baltimore, San Francisco, and New Orleans. I have now since changed it uh, to where I believe it is Green Bay, Tampa Bay, um, Seattle, Kansas City, Baltimore. I think Tennessee and Pittsburgh are coming into the mix, um, but that's my current Super Bowl. Following. Uh, so we're starting with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, this is a pretender. Uh, I think the Bills are have shown flashes of what they will look like as a finished product in another year with this coaching staff and them to continuously being able to improve. You've seen what Josh Allen can be, um, but I don't think he's there consistently yet. I think he still makes too many he makes too many plays that are off script, and he's not that level of talent where I think he can go off script as much as he tries to. Uh, I do think they have a really good defense and they have a really good coaching staff. I think they have the benefit of being in a really weak division overall. Um, anybody who has shared division with the Jets, it's a nice bonus. And the chances of them winning their division, I think, are very high. The chances of them winning a playoff game, I think, are good. The chance of them going any farther, I think, is slim, so I have to say pretender. Um, Miami Dolphins, they're within a game. Uh, this is a pretender. 
They're going to start Tua after the bye week, which I think is a good direction for their franchise going forward. Uh, but this is a pretender. They're not making any serious run at the Super Bowl this year. Uh, like the way they're trending, but the Dolphins are pretending. AFC West, uh, there's only one team in this discussion. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously a contender. Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey. The defense is playing better. Chris Jones. Um, what do you say? It's the best. It's the best offensive personnel. The best player in the game. Maybe the best coach. If we're just going on based on what he is currently doing, and Andy Reid, and this division is. Even though I love my Broncos and we're hopefully you know, look out Sunday. This is the Chiefs' division to win. Um, it's really not even their division to lose. I I couldn't see another team coming and stealing the division from them. Uh, Kansas City, a 100% contender. AFC South, we have the Titans and the Colts are at 4-2. and two. The Titans are at 5-0. and oh. I believe, oh, I'm sorry, I have to give the Raiders, because Raiders are above 500, which fits my criteria. The Raiders are a pretender. Um, I love the overall direction. I should stop saying this. I keep saying I love directions of, like, teams in Denver's division. Um but I'm, I'm a big fan of, I've said it several times, of the 10-year contract John Gruden got, the idea that they are actually going to build something, give it time to grow, and make it into something even better. Uh, I'm 1,000% for that. Uh, but they are pretenders for this year. They have, I think, no chance against Kansas City, even though they do have a win against Kansas City. Uh, the AFC South, uh, the Titans, I'm going to put the Titans in almost contender status. I just... I'm just not there yet with them. I think they've done everything right. I think they are a really good team. But I don't go into each week thinking, oh, yeah, they're overwhelmingly favorite or they're overwhelmingly a better team than their opponent, which that does matter uh, when you are playing these games. Uh, and it just well matters for me when I'm making this list more so, not really when you're playing the games. But I don't feel like they are the best best team week in week out i think they just get the job done credit to them but they are almost a contender then we have the pittsburgh steelers i'm sorry then we have the colts in the afc south um man if philip rivers wasn't their quarterback and i know they went out and got philip rivers and they paid him 25 million dollars and i still feel like this team the last two years whether it's jacoby Brissett last year or it is Phillip Rivers this year, I think this team just really misses Andrew Luck, man. If Andrew Luck was on this team, and it's, it's almost unfortunate we never got to see Luck with a really good Colts roster after him picking up a really piss-poor Colts roster at the beginning of his career. It's been really fun to see him with this team. Uh, really good defense, really good offensive line, but I think Phillip Rivers holds them back. I can't I just can't give a team with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback contender status, so the Colts are a pretender. Um, in the AFC North, uh, you have the Browns. It's I think this is a uh, – we're, we're going to play another game later this week called Teams Being Honest, and I think if the Browns were honest, uh, Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. I think you have to be able to play at a great level in order to be a contender. Uh, so the Browns are a no-go for me. The Ravens, 5-1, uh, and one, obviously I think this is a contender. I think this is the best team in football, top to bottom. While I do think they have, will have some struggles against the Kansas City Chiefs, 
I think this team could go 15-1. and one. Um, I think they also are going to play really well when they play Pittsburgh. And uh, it's funny, the Ravens are now victims of the expectation that they have scored in every single quarter that they've played this year. Think about that. Scored in every single quarter. They just, they're a game behind tying the 2012 to 2014 Denver Broncos for the most 20 plus point games consecutively. And people are saying they're underperforming on offense. Victims of expectation. The Ravens are really good, guys. Uh, the Steelers. I'm going to say the Steelers are contenders, but they are contenders with an asterisk. The asterisk is I don't think they're as good as the Ravens who are in their division. I think Ben Roethlisberger, if they're going to make a playoff run, Ben is clearly not who he was. That's understandable. He's almost 40. He's coming off surgery. But I do believe every great player, and Ben Roethlisberger deserves to be in this category, can muster up a great game every now and then, even if he can't do it consistently. I think if they get to the playoffs, um, if they get a high, I don't think they have a chance. They do have a chance at the one seed. Um, if they got the one seed somehow, um, then yes, I could see them. One great game from Roethlisberger, one great game from this defense, and that would put them in the Super Bowl. So I do have to say they're contenders with an asterisk. They just need one great game out of Ben in the playoffs um, and just no horrible game from Ben. So that is contenders or pretenders for our week six of the NFL season. This is Hard Foul Radio. Appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back momentarily. Whoops. shorter of an episode today i only have the five segments instead of my normal six um there's been a lot of sports stuff but just at the time of having to record this uh and my work schedule i wanted to still get this out uh without having to do a late episode so we only got the five segments today but we are returning one of my favorites and i'm gonna if not this week for sure next week i'll be back to doing it every single day to close out the show and that is Something only I would understand. So, in high school, we had to read a book called The Scarlet Letter. If you are unaware of The Scarlet Letter, The Scarlet Letter, uh, to break it down quickly here for you, uh, The Scarlet Letter is about a girl or a woman who is branded with an A, and the A, essentially, uh, no one in the town will talk to her, No one, uh, none of the adults uh, will speak to her. They tell all the kids, hey, stay away from her, stay away from her, stay away from her. 
and you wonder while you're reading the book, it's like, all right, what does the A stand for? Well, the A stands for adulterer, so she was a woman who was cheating on her husband, uh, which thus made her, in the book, less of a woman, unappealing, unattractive, not talk to her, right? And when you cheat, not just back then, but now, and if, especially if you cheat at a younger age in high school or college, um, or if, let's say, for context of this, if you cheat in a small town, right? You cheat on your boyfriend or cheat on your girlfriend, your significant other. A lot of times, a lot of people will decide to not mess with you outside of the person that you cheated with because they were already in that boat with you. And whether everybody knows you were the person they cheated with or not, they know you. So while everybody else might stay away from you, everyone else might shun you, ignore you, say mean things, that person won't. Um, I believe there's some head coaches who have some scarlet letters. No, I'm not talking about guys cheating on the wives. I'm not talking about guys doing anything shady. I'm talking about guys that have an NFL scarlet letter. Now, as I say this, that should be a bad thing. But having the scarlet letter is actually helping two coaches, or two teams in particular. Uh, I, would ar- I would argue a third, uh, but I'd be a homer if I argued the third that they worked in, they did not, I'm sorry, they worked where they're at, did not work somewhere else, then came back home. Who am I talking about? Well, this one, while he did end up switching teams, uh, the ta- the probably the most underrated part of any football team in America is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been exceptional at points this season. I mean, they have been, they have almost, you could argue they have been better than the offense the majority of the season. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have who? Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles was originally the Jets head coach, and it was a dumpster fire in New York. And New York got rid of him. No one wanted to give him a head coaching job. He got with Tampa. Now, Tampa has the, they always say there's guys who are great coordinators, but not great coaches, and Todd Bowles is proving he is every bit great coordinator, even though he got the scarlet letter as a head coach, and Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, that entire Tampa Bay team is benefiting off the scarlet letter that Todd Bowles has given, and now he will be their defensive coordinator for years, not even talking about, people aren't even talking about giving him a head coaching job. Then there's the golden child of scarlet letters, who has helped the still argue the current NFL dynasty, the New England Patriots, and yes, we're going with Josh McDaniels. If any, now Josh McDaniels has had one head coaching job, and that was he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos uh, for about a year and a half. And it started off great. He started off 6-0, and and then it went to hell. And it didn't just go to hell as far as on-field performance. It didn't just go to hell as far as his relationship with certain players. It went to hell with the players, on-field performance, general manager, ownership, people that just worked in the building. I mean, people in Denver still to this day hate Josh McDaniels. They just absolutely, you bring up his name, it's, it's you essentially will brand you with the Scarlet Letter. And because of that, teams have not touched Josh McDaniels 
outside of there was the weird, yeah, he's hired, but he's not with the Colts. The majority of teams in the league have stayed away from him because he has a scarlet letter. It was so bad in Denver. And then he even rebranded himself with again with that Colts situation. And now Bill Belichick essentially has an offensive coordinator who is, if he was anybody else, anybody else would be a head coach tomorrow. Would have head coaching offers coming out from every there'd people there'd be teams that already have good head coach that would be offering Josh McDaniels a head coaching job. But no, he's got a scarlet letter. Bill now has his as good as Bill is on defense. Bill has an offensive mind to match, and that he probably has until the day he retires, and then Josh McDaniels becomes the Patriots head coach. Um, and I say all that to say. Adam Gase is probably going to be fired from the Jets. Adam Gase probably should be fired from the Jets. It's gone sour with ownership, general management, um, players, uh, on-field on field production, probably his quarterback, Sam Darnold, at this point. So he's probably going to be fired. And Adam Gase will become a scarlet letter for a team. Adam Gase will become a guy who knows how to do X's and O's, knows how to work in offense, knows how to get quarterback production, and he's going to go somewhere next year, and people are going to say, oh my gosh, why'd you hire Adam Gase? And he's going to do an amazing job as just an offensive coordinator, a scarlet letter branded offensive coordinator, the same way McDaniels does in New England, the same way Todd Bowles does in Tampa Bay. Look out for those guys who... Are the rest of the league has given up on, but they have a home, be a long-term home with long-term success. Those are your Scarlet Letter NFL assistant coaches. Only something I would understand. So, I appreciate everyone that decided to tune in on this Wednesday. Gave me some time out of your day to come and listen. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. However you are listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, however you listen to podcasts, Uh, appreciate you for coming through and giving me some of your time. We're going to be back tomorrow. Have a great one.